Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I'm currently sipping a coffee. It is a London morning, and I gotta be real, there's something luxurious about waking up in this side of the world because I don't really have to get anything done until like 3 p.m. when the USA starts to wake up. It's honest and it's true, and that's definitely one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so stoked to be moving here, but the second reason is because your girl got into film school. So about a few months ago, I realized that if I didn't make a change, that my life would stay more or less the same. I would be building my you know businesses from my office, and I would be in Connecticut near my family, all things that I love, but it just felt stagnant. It felt like I needed to flip some energetic soil, and I've always wanted to move back to London. I lived here for four months back in 2018, which isn't a long time, but what I did realize in that time is that I'm not done with that city. And the easiest way for me to get a visa was by going back to school, which I have been thinking about since before the Netflix show. Because before I closed the Netflix deal, I realized like if this falls through, what would be my ideal life? And I said to myself two years ago, it would be going back to Europe and getting my master's, but a master's in something that I could apply to my creative life, which is dope because I figured it all out with this film school program that's part-time and negotiated, which means you create your own curriculum, AKA y'all know I'm just using school to make better videos, make better podcasts, and really sharpen my storytelling craft. And that is a not average Joe thing to do. Like it started off because I wanted a visa and then I'm like, but wait, I want to get better at this and this and this. And I also want to meet people that are creatives because my whole life I've been spending time and money investing in my business side because I felt like, who am I to invest in my creativity? Like that seems frivolous, but not no more. We're dropping those limiting beliefs back in the 20s and we are gracefully gliding into our 30s full of conviction and intent. The other news is that I turned 30. Anxious 20s energy, that's gone now. They say that in your 30s, it's like you're in your 20s, but with more stability, more self-awareness, and with more financial support from your own self. Honey, I've only been here a week, but I can confirm yes, yes, and yes. And this is why I'm taking the leap. Of course, I don't have any kids and I don't have any debt anymore because I worked to pay that off in my 20s. But all of these things are basically just signs that planting seeds for yourself will pay off because I feel more relieved. On today's episode, I get to speak to someone named Jan van der Aa, who is CEO and founder of Creator Smart, but he's lived a very similar lifestyle to me in his 20s. He's now 34 and full of abundant ideas, but the theme on today's episode is entrepreneurship. And like all of these Not Average Joe conversations, we get into other topics like relationships, like it gets juicy, y'all. We talk about how to find that balance and stability. I was so into this conversation because it's not one that you have every day and that's what makes it above average you're gonna want to take notes for this one kill the intro sis you know she's not your average joe not your average joe
Okay, we're good. Hope I don't disappoint you. Yeah. You're going to be great. So, hi, Jan. Tell me about your life and how you got started running Creator Smarts. All right. So, let me take you back in time. So, when I was, I've always been very fascinated fascinated for other countries, traveling, languages as well. So when I was about 22 years old, I got the opportunity to uh, study abroad, actually do an internship abroad. This was in China. At the time, I was doing internship for, uh, well, somebody who eventually became a friend of mine. He was only one year older, and he was already, he had this trade company in Shenzhen, China, and he was doing very, very well at the time. He knew that I spoke several languages, and I knew many people, I had many friends in other countries. And he was like, Jan, we need to translate our website into 10 languages. Can you arrange that? And I thought I could arrange that. And one week later, we had that website in 10 languages. And I only charged my boss, uh, was only one-fourth of the market price. And the quality was very good. So back then, I was like, hey, wait, I think I can start an online business. I think I can start... Um, a translation business. And this on, was just on. like one year. Yeah. I need to back it up. What is the timeline? So I'm thir- uh, 34 now, right? This was, I was 22, so about 12 years ago. And then where are you from and what languages do you speak? I'm, I'm from the Netherlands, so Dutch is my first language. And then I speak English, of course. And then French is probably my third language. And then we have Mandarin Chinese, which I'm fluent in as well. And then I speak some German, Spanish, some Portuguese even. Um, I also did some Cantonese and some other languages, right? So I, I spent my 20s in 103 countries. But that was only possible because I, I, I started that online translation business back uh, when I was 22. How many languages did you speak when you were 22 starting the company, when you agreed to do this crazy project? Like four or something. Like, yeah, D- Dutch, English. My Mandarin was already quite good. And I spoke some Spanish, maybe. And that was it, maybe a bit of German. Um, so I had like, okay, I speak these languages. I, I like traveling. And then I read the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. So I was like, hey, I need to start an online business. So um, I flew back to the Netherlands after that internship was over. I graduated. And then I started a, a translation agency together with, uh, with, a, with an old friend back from high school. And, um, yeah, we did some hustle there. We did some outreach, and uh, we signed a few local companies, big companies, like trade companies that would import products from China to Europe, and then all those instruction manuals had to be translated into the 24 languages of the European Union. So, um, yeah, that's where we started, and um, that enabled me to travel for, for eight years, about six years, uh, sorry, six months per year. So I spent lots of time in countries like Indonesia, China. I spent quite some time in Brazil as well. I went to North Korea, Iran. I went to Syria when the war broke out. Um, yeah, did all that stuff. I, I can't be having and, this um, just like casual dropping of this information, Jan. We need to talk about this in a little bit more detail, <laughs> yeah. Jan. Oh, no. Okay. So I have a few all questions. Right. One is easy. Was the business partnership 50-50? Yes. That's interesting. Was there a challenge later on because it was 50-50? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you just did, uh, we just did an interview with you for the uh, Creative Smarts podcast, right? And we talked about the same thing about partnerships. So, so far, I've had four partnerships, business partnerships, right? Of which I have, still have two 
nowadays. The first ones works out. I mean, they, they worked for six, seven, eight years. But then you got to a certain stage where you got new ambitions, you got new interests, you lose passion for the business. And then you need to make the decision. So actually, in the past 12 months, I sold... To, or I sold my share, my 50% share in both of the businesses to, uh, well, in one case to my former business partner and in the other case to another, a new business partner, um, to somebody else, a third party basically. So, yeah. So you were okay to bow out because the, the challenge with 50-50 business partnerships is exactly that. Like I, I read a lot of different things and one advice that business people often say is, avoid 50-50 at all costs because, you know, if there's not a tiebreaker, then you will lose. Both people will lose if they just disagree. There was a CEO of this multi-million, it was like a billion-dollar company, uh, travel agency, and before I even got started, I was telling him about my ideas, you know, with my old business partner, and one of the first questions he asks me was, is it going to be 50-50? And I said, yes. And he looks at me in a foreshadowing way and he's like, that is the biggest mistake you can ever make. Do not do that. And I'm always fascinated with people who, who do 50-50, but I think it can only work if one person is willing to bow out and sell their shares. But in most cases, it becomes very emotional because you build a company over years and not everyone is going to be willing to just call it quits and like cut their losses in a sense. Yeah, so there are, there are a few solutions in, in, in that case, right? So when, when there's one partner who wants to quit, they can either sell their share to, to the other partner or you sell the company to a third party. And yeah, I guess there are not many other options there. So what we did when I wanted to quit because I was still doing the translation agency last year and then we, we got this opportunity or I saw this opportunity for Creator Smarts and I wanted to go all in with that. Um, even though we were actually not monetizing the podcast and uh, the Creator Smarts brand. But I saw the opportunity, so I just wanted to 100% focus on that. And the translation business was still making good money. And, and I only had to work on it like one or two hours every single day. And it was providing me with more than just an average monthly salary here in, uh, in Western Europe, right? So what we did then is, well, first I said, I think this is the value of the company. Do you want to buy my share? And then my business partner said, wait, no, I don't think the company is worth that much. So then we, we went to, um, how do you call this person? I guess a mediator or somebody who's experienced, who helps companies, who, who basically sells companies, who buys and sells companies, or who helps business owners sell their company. And uh, yeah, we paid him like 500 bucks per hour for, I think it was like, a few times we did a few sessions with him and um, we basically um, got a better idea of a realistic market price of the company. And then my business partner said, all right, well, if the business is worth that much, you know, I'm not that ambitious. I also don't have the cash. So then I guess we go and then try to find another buyer, like an external party. And we did that for a while but it was kind of hard because the business, it was not built in a smart way, meaning that it was not very sellable, right? That's, uh, that's like the number one takeaway that I learned from, from that business venture. It's like if you build a company, you want to build it in a way so that's sellable, right? You don't want to, the business to depend on you. And then eventually we just negotiated and he was not in a hurry. I was in a hurry, so I was not in a good 
position to negotiate and eventually it sold my share for not a very high amount but yeah that's um i guess that's that's how it goes um I'm, I'm, i don't regret it not your average joe takeaway number one let's get right to the juicy stuff businesses are almost like living breathing things with humans deciding its fate the first takeaway is think long and hard before going 50 50 on any business venture when you disagree with a business partner and both sides are equal there is no win if one of you does not want to do something no one does anything and that's just an injustice because as i mentioned a business it's like a living breathing thing that serves customers that are beyond you and your egos so in this event, you would be wise to do 49%, 51, where one person has one more percent and ultimately decides when there's a disagreement. And an even wiser decision would be to have a third partner so that you will always have a tie break. And then all of a sudden, Jan threw in not average Joe takeaway number two, which is to build businesses so that they're sellable. This is a tip from the wisdom of an entrepreneur who's built a business before and made the mistake of not making it sellable. Jan did it, I've done it. So many of us are doing things like this because we think we are going to permanently want what we want now. But I, I believe the not average Joe take is to accept the reality of our changing minds because we will change. And when we do change, we need to make sure that we can step away from these business ventures that we've poured our blood, sweat and tears into and that they can fully function on their own without us. In essence, like all things with financial plans, with family plans, with business plans, make a plan so that you can be flexible enough to change it. And that's how you win. What does it mean to make a company sellable? So you need to have the processes in place so that the company can run without you, right? So you want to have, well, that's the main thing. You want to have systems in place. It needs to be efficient. It needs to be profitable. You don't want to rely, you don't want to, you don't want to rely on only one client. You, you want to have many clients. The source of revenue that they, that they produce needs to be similar, right? You don't want to have like one client that brings in 80% of the revenue. It needs to be equal. That, that's what makes a business stable. So multiple clients and yeah, managers that can run the company without you. So a test that you can do there is ask yourself whether you can go on a one-year holiday. And if you come back, is, can the business grow without you? Like, is the business going to be bigger than when you left? If the answer is yes, well, then you probably have a sellable company. If the answer is no, then um, you still need to work on those processes and uh, making the right hires. So that's what we are doing with uh, with Creator Smarts now. Yeah. Not your average Joe. Takeaway number three: diversity. This is the key word to success in staffing, in friendships in relationships and in revenue streams. As a business owner, the key is to balance the financial ups and downs of entrepreneurship with some good old fashioned diversification. You don't wanna put all of your eggs in one basket and you definitely don't wanna put all of your invoices in one client. Because if you do, you end up depending on this one client and if the client stops hiring you, then you have no business. And therefore, that is not an independent venture. You are very much dependent on this one client. So diversify, baby, diversify skin tones, diversify businesses, diversify clients, diversify everything in your life. And I think you'll be better off. It's funny because I talk to Ali about this a lot. He's the master of, of doing that, right? Like he's built this yeah. brand and has a team of people that just do the thing and he could just have fun and be, be in his YouTube videos. But like the script is written out for him. And, and we, yeah. I tell him I struggle with that because so much of my work is me dependent. So it's like, yeah, it's hard. That's another thing there as well, right? Because Oli has a personal brand 
He started out as a personal brand because that's often the fastest way to gain traction, right? You want to compete against all the other big players, against the big companies. And then the fastest way to, to gain traction is to start niche and to show your face because people can relate to other people. And that's what he did for uh, quite a few years. But now, you know, he has this, I think we can call it an empire now. So then you try to, and you want to make it sellable, right? Just in case, just in case you get bought one day. It's good to have that option to be able to sell the company. Um, but then, yeah, if you want to do that, you need to start removing, gradually removing your face from the business or from the videos and uh, make it more about the method, for example, right? So Oli did that with story learning. First, it was all about Oli as a person. Now it's more about the methodology and um, and the brand. So with Creator Smarts, I mean, they're still doing these interviews. And it can always be a mix, right? Look at Elon Musk. SpaceX and Tesla are not his personal brand, but it it's his personal brand is basically the hub for all those other businesses that he's building. And I think we we can we can do the same thing. Like for Creator Smarts, I can still do the podcast, um, but the business should be able to run without me or or Oli. So, yeah, just a few thoughts on that. It's really an interesting conversation. I think about this all the time because I've done that. This is going to be my second time and I'm getting ready to launch my third business that I want specifically to make live on its own and not be so dependent on me. That's more like yeah. method based. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, LLCs, people don't really talk about this. LLCs are nothing more than entities that don't exist that we give value by adding a name and we have to build it. So can you talk a little bit about being a an architect because when you're building businesses you have to write the blueprint for the business what has your journey been in like thinking of a good business idea drafting the plans and then putting it to test yeah you mean how i go about creating a or launching a new business yeah so in okay so i can i can give you a few examples here right so i will give you the example with creator smarts because that's the one that i'm the most excited about now so about two years ago um, so I, I used to run these mastermind retreats with, with Oli, right? Actually still doing that. But two years ago, we, we were running one of these retreats in, um, in Split in Croatia. And what happens is 10 people show up. They're all in the online education space, all creators in the online education space. And we have so-called 20-minute hot seat sessions, right? So everybody got 20 minutes and they present a problem that they are fa- or a challenge that they are facing to the group. And then the other people in the group are giving their input. So... Uh, we had some extra time when we were doing that event in, in Split. So, you know, I also I got the chance to uh, got, get input from the group as well. And I said, okay, I'm running this YouTube channel. I'm talking about language learning and all that stuff. And uh, conversion is good. We have lots of courses. But I'm struggling with the, the content creation part. I'm, I'm losing the passion. I don't want to create YouTube videos uh, every week. Um, and actually, nowadays, I'm more interested in you know, online marketing uh, business and less about languages. And then we had people in the group and they said, Jan, you know what? You're so good at this stuff. Why not start, why not do more with, with at, at the, back in the day we were called Langpreneur. Why not do more for people like us, for the community, run these kinds of retreats, maybe start an inner circle group where you, do these, where you have these meetings online several times per year. Maybe do some consulting, work with people one-on-one. Because we need people like you. 
And that was, hey, wait, this is interesting. So this is a new niche, right? It's like YouTubers and all creators in online education. Some of them like marketing. They want to learn marketing. And they want to do everything themselves. But there are also people out there who are like 100% creators. They're artists, right? And they struggle with the marketing. They struggle with uh, writing, writing sales pages or creating a funnel. Business strategy, hiring people. I mean, these are all tricky things for people who well, either don't have the experience or who don't like to do those things. And uh, that's why I saw an opportunity, right? So then you start thinking about, okay, there is a need, but what exactly are we going to sell, right? What is the business? Is it consultation? Are we going to do partnerships? Is it more of these events? Because these events are nice, but you cannot really run them every month. Um, and that's why I started the podcast, right? It was basically market, market research. We know something is there. We know some of the people in the industry, but what exactly is on the mind? What are the pain points, right? And then you just start interviewing them. Just like, just at an interview with you, my last question was, what's the most difficult thing about being a creator, right? So you're creating something useful for the community, uh, you're creating all these connections, but at the same time, you're also doing your market research. So, um, idea, market research, and then you have to validate the idea, right? So that's the that's the third step. You create something, you create an offer, and then you you go to people like like you, or, or and then you say, okay, I'm thinking about doing this uh, this inner circle thing. Would you be interested? And then they either say, no, bad idea, or they say, yes, sounds great. And you just start trying out different offers. And uh, yeah, that, that's what we have been doing for the last two years to really find out what, what the business is. And I think we, we found an answer now. This is about to be the quickest crash course to business building that you've ever heard. This is like an MBA in 10 seconds. This is the life cycle of a business, of any business. You need to number one, have an idea. Number two, get some market research, take surveys, see what the crowd wants. Number three, validate those ideas. Actually start testing those ideas. Will it work? When you find out that it does work, Number four, you create an offer. And then number five is you pitch that offer to potential clients. Once you sell your first offer, then you can start looking at the trial and error process, which is the final step, so that you could see what worked from your offer and what didn't work, see what people want, create new offers, test it again, make it better, revamp, redevelop, and you got yourself a business. I absolutely love this conversation. These are things I think about 24 seven. So Joe Club is the perfect example of that. And you boiled it down to a step-by-step process. It doesn't matter what you're selling or who you're selling it to, but it's essential to do those three steps, which is idea, market research, build an offer. So for Joe Club, it was pandemic times. The idea stemmed from me just posting a a picture of my journal entry. Somebody asked me, Joe, do a 30-day journal challenge, as in like every Mm -hmm. day come up with a question and we'll journal together. So for 30 days, I did this, which is free, right? Like it's work. I'm thinking of questions. I'm writing my answers. I'm reposting everybody's posts. But in those 30 days, it was essentially market research to see like, what is this? What do people want out of this? And Mm. I didn't think I was going to turn it into a business. So when you're a creator, your business is you. You are Mm. entertainment. That is your business because the most... 
I think 90% of creators make their business through brand deals. So what they're selling is the ability to reach people. Creators are not exactly trained in this world. Now I think we're getting smarter, but we're not trained in the world of business building. So many creators yeah. just ride the wave of their fame to get paid mm. to, to do brand deals, but they're not building their own you know, entities. They're not. Yes. I mean, th this is the opportunity that we saw for Creator Smart, right? So two years ago, there were people in, uh, this was also in a language education niche with millions of subscribers, and it doesn't have a product. Language education, right? You can sell language courses, especially if you, if you teach it. Oh, that was you. Yes, that was us. And yeah, I'm talking about you. Well, I was trying to build it. I built Shut Up and Go and I, I created, you know, we built the site Shut Up and Go. And my vision was to make the young travel and leisure. And through, through that site, people were guest blogging, but we didn't actually build anything that was sellable. We had affiliate links. People could book flights on the site. So it was built enough to scale beyond us yeah. but that was always my vision it was always like one day i'm going to be too tired or don't want to be on camera and i need to figure out how to turn this passion into an offer that i still believe in because i think businesses should still be built with integrity and give enough value mm -hmm. but also yeah. be scalable because if you're building a business off of being a personality you're going to hit a, a limit at some point because either you're too tired or you lose interest or you don't feel like working and no one can substitute for you because you are the business and that's just not sustainable. If you if you sell like if you're Mr. Beast, like the, the channel is gonna depend on you, right? Um, it's hard to sell it's hard to sell a product. I mean, it's not hard to sell a product because he has a massive audience, but I bet that his conversion rate or the earnings per viewer is is on average much lower if you have a channel in entertainment than if you have a channel uh, where in education. And this could be like a finance channel or just a channel where you talk about journaling. could be a travel channel or a language education channel. Like people go and watch those videos because they have a problem, right? It's not entertainment. Entertainment is also, also solves a problem it's for people who are bored, right? But when, if you watch a video about, I don't know, how to learn Portuguese, you want to learn Portuguese. So that's an that's a opportunity there. If you are the creator, you can sell a, a beginner course on... <laughs> For, for Brazilian Portuguese, right? So that, that's the opportunity that we see for people uh, well, in the education space. And there's still quite a few people out there who, who are not monetizing their brands properly. And often it's because they're making enough money. They're doing fine. They're getting millions of views on the channel, 10K per month in that sense, a few sponsorships on top of that, maybe some affiliate deals. It's good, right? But you could be making five or sometimes five, 10 times more. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the message that we are trying to spread with, uh, with Creative Smart and then sharing what's possible, right? Getting people like you on the podcast who are actually taking advantage of the, um, the unique opportunity that they have. Well, yeah, that's a I good think thing. It's a win-win for everybody, right? It's, um, it's an intellectual challenge for you. you. You make more money. And also, of course, you're giving your audience an opportunity to uh, engage with you at a, at a deeper level and to... There's only so many things that we can learn from YouTube, right? There's lots of distractions all the time. If you want to really learn how to journal, then why not take a course? Or if you want to learn a language, then why not take a course and then just focus on that? Right. That's something that I've started only realizing now because obviously I jump ship from 1.2 million subscribers, but financially I'm doing better than I was then because my my really? content is more niche. Yeah. Because wow. when you start that's, hitting that's these... Impressive. 
I know, Willie, you start hitting these buckets. You start hitting the finance bucket. Like, I speak about finance, right? So now I'm getting paid to create content about finance. So it's like, I was already going to do this anyways. But now I'm attracting yeah. an audience that cares about this topic. And financial companies see the value in that. Whereas before it was just entertainment for entertainment's sake. So 1.2 eyeballs, 1.2 million eyeballs, <laughs> 1.2 eyeballs, that's funny. <laughs> so 1.2 million eyeballs financially is equal to the same as 100,000 on YouTube and like 200,000 on Instagram, which is really insane when you think about it. So I think there's so much value in these niche buckets that that I didn't understand until this next chapter of my career came, you know, with the journaling club financially Joe club is doing better than shut up and go, which had like 40,000 followers on Instagram. And, but we didn't have any products. We didn't have anything to sell. We were just kind of like selling a, a concept and that is not a product to buy. There's nothing yeah. that is operationalized there there is no business essentially whereas joe club it's yeah. a membership program it's monthly i've established it and i'm training people now to take over sessions so it can be systemized like you know systematic where i'm not the only person who can run it yeah you have an hungry a hungry audience right so if you have a, a travel channel it's which is mostly entertainment then you have a bought, <laughs> a bought audience. I mean, maybe not, but yeah, yeah I guess you, you see what I'm trying to say here. Like, yeah, niche channels can be very, can be very profitable. Not your average Joe, takeaway number five. This tip makes me smile because it takes the pressure off of having a million subscribers or followers to create any kind of business that's inspiring and motivates others and enriches your life. The truth is it's not in the amount of followers, it's in the quality of their hunger. You can have a very successful business by targeting a niche audience and giving them something that they want. Which reminds me, I'm linking my newsletter sign up in the show notes because I am building so many cool things from a new app to two new websites and i can't wait to tell you all about them you guys as not average joe listeners will get exclusives on what's coming up you'll get discounts all of that after the break we talk about the juicy stuff like how does one maintain romantic relationships while jumping around the world like a little grasshopper my grandmother always said don't be a fly in a pastry shop and this is how i found myself for the last decade juggling all kinds of long distance relationships and flings and jan has some good answers to share with me because honey i need the relationship advice okay this is my real struggle no, but seriously, I could truly write a book about how many long-distance relationships I've had, and it would probably be very interesting, but that's not what today's topic is all about. But if you do have questions, slide up in my DMs. Y'all know I love to read your comments. Love you guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So talk to me about the other businesses. So you did the translation business in your 20s, travel the world, amazing. Then yeah. So I was traveling the world and, you know, I was spending time in countries like Brazil and I was like, hey, I learned Chinese. I'm fluent in Chinese. Maybe I can try the same thing for all the languages, right? So spend some time in Brazil, learn Portuguese there, some more time in Latin America. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe I should start talking about I wanted to share my, my language learning journey with, uh, with all the people who are passionate about that. So that's when I started the YouTube channel, Language Boost is still up there, but I sold the business last week, actually. Congrats. Um, yeah, and we, we create, I, I became more interested in online business because I, now I had a YouTube channel, but what am I going to do with it? Well, people want to learn languages, so we're going to create language courses. Okay, now we have all the courses, but people are not buying them. Well, maybe we should start thinking about creating a website, building a funnel, email marketing, upsell, downsell, membership, um, better copywriting. So, yeah, that's when I got into, uh, into online marketing. Also because of meeting people like Oli, right? I met Oli, like, when he started, well, it was still called I Will Teach You a Language back in the day. This was about seven or eight years ago. And... Um, yeah, he gained lots of traction from the beginning. Like the first time I was thinking, like, what is this guy doing? Like he was working in Egypt at the time, was still working for the British Council. And so he would spend the entire day working. And then in the evening, I said, okay, are we now going out and do something? He was like, no, I need to work on my blog. I was like, oh, man, come on, this blog thing. Uh, what are you going to do with this blog? And he said, yeah, no, one day it's going to be very profitable and it's going to make me millions. I said, man, with a blog, come on. And then it was a few, a few months later and he said, I'm going to quit my job. So what do you mean? He said, yeah, I'm going to quit my job because I'm making more with my blog now than, than with my blog. And then he was making 10K per month and then it was 30K per month and then it was 100K per month. And then I was like, okay, shit, now I need to start paying attention to how this thing works, right? So... Started with a translation business, which enabled me to travel, learn all these languages. Started sharing that with the world through the YouTube channel. Started building courses. And then when I had the courses, I needed to learn marketing. I have a degree in marketing as well, so I picked it up quite quickly, I think. And then at a certain stage, I became more interested about, you know, the whole creator community and online marketing. And um, I decided that that was going to be the next chapter. So I quit Language Boost. Um, and I'm just doing this. That's uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, this is this is very exciting. I th- I, th- I think I mean we we talked an hour ago on on our podcast, right? And you said that it's all about creating a job that fits your skill set, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel that I've been on that same journey. It's like what I can do now with Creators Mars, running the podcast, connecting to people like you, having interesting conversations, but also. You know, doing marketing work, some copywriting, bringing people together, running a community is really, it's really all these skills that I've gathered over the year and now I can finally use them uh, 
altogether with this very unique opportunity. So yeah, I guess uh, we have uh, lots of, <laughs> quite a few things in common there, Joe. Not your average Joe, takeaway number six. I'm a big believer in building your dream job because there's rarely a job title and description that matches your unique skill sets, your passions, your interests, and where you wanna go. And this applies both for the entrepreneur and someone who works for a company. I did this back in the day when I did have a boss. I scheduled a meeting with my bosses and I pitched them, like I created a pitch deck on a new job title that better fit my needs. 21 year old Joanna was straight up like, hey, executive VP, I know that you think I'm good for this role, but here's why you're wrong. And here's why a new role with X, Y, and Z responsibilities would be better for me and for the company. And it worked. And then they gave me that job title. And then they gave me an offer. And I turned it down because I wanted to build my own companies. And alas, here we are. But the point is the average Joe knows no limits. If you feel like there's a better fit for you, build it because Odds are no one knows you better than you to build a job that's better fit for your needs. Can we just talk a little bit about the journey of an entrepreneur to shift the vision of the business with life changing as well? Because that's something that I don't think people talk about nearly enough. Like you, when you started your translation business, you were in your 20s, you were traveling around. It was more in line with being young and free and 20 years old. And now you're 34 yeah. and life is changing, right? You have two young children. So talk to me yeah. about the psychology behind the strategy of life and business and how to marry the two. So I, I, when I was in my 20s, I, well, what do people in their 20s want? What, what do you want to do uh, eight years ago? You just want to be free and just make enough money and have all these experiences and try different countries, learn different languages in my case, you know, go on dates. And um, that's a very comfortable life, a very exciting life as well. But I know certain people who have been in this lifestyle for maybe a bit too long, right? Because if you don't, like it is very comfortable. And if you don't watch out before you know it, you're going to be 40. And then what? You still want to, still want to, backpack or maybe not backpack but do you still want to have that unstable eventually you want to build something right you you want to build you want to settle somewhere and, and build something that that lasts longer than than just you a family for example it can also be a business and um yeah so once you hit your 30s you start thinking about the things and i think for women women probably start thinking about the things a bit earlier than men but, um, yeah, we had to make the same decision here. So, okay, what, what are we going to do? Then you have to make a very big sacrifice. That was difficult as well because if you, once you're used to all that freedom, it's hard to, to give up on that, right? And I still miss traveling. I mean, now I got the opportunity to travel again, right, for a good reason, go to all these events. What year did it start to sink in? Like, I can't do this forever. What year was it? How old were you? Yeah, like 30. It's like four years ago, right? I think it also depends on your partner, right? Like my partner is a bit older than me and she was like, okay, if we, if we want to do this and we need to do it now. We got to do it now, honey. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, then, I mean, you, there's two options there, right? You continue to do your own thing. You lose the other opportunity or you, you, go, you go all in on, on, on uh, building a family, getting kids. And, uh, yeah, then you just hope that eventually... <laughs> 
you can, you, you can do your thing again, which I now can, fortunately. But uh, yeah, but t- tell me about you then, because you, is this something that you start thinking about? I mean, you can still. Yeah, so, I mean, I see, I see where you're going here. Yeah. Here's here's what I was thinking about. For me, the shift came when I was 28. We talked about this on your podcast too, which I'll link in the description of this episode. So everyone go listen to the Creator Smarts podcast. Ah, thank you. But <laughs> what we were talking about was basically like when I it was 2018. I I wasn't even 28 yet. I think I was 27, and I just started asking myself like I I would get into these hotel rooms I was going on these first class flights and I was just upset like I was happy to be there but I wasn't really happy to be there because I wasn't sharing it with anyone and you know I would have relationships here and there tons of long distance relationships obviously because I was always traveling or I would like meet these incredible people who are still good friends till this day but they they were Italian and only spoke Italian or like they were French and only spoke French and their lives were in those places and that's why mm. I fell in love with them but realistically speaking yeah. I could never bring them to the states and I would never full blown just move to Rome or mm. Paris I've considered it I've honestly considered it but I had this entrepreneurship thing that kept bringing me back to the states whether it was you know Los Angeles for work stuff or near my family, Connecticut. And then ultimately, when I turned 28, I was just like, damn, I want to structure my life so that I don't need to travel to make money. When you build a Mm. travel channel, that is what you're doing. You're setting yourself up to only be able to get paid when you're traveling. And luckily, I had the language aspect of my life and then the journaling aspect that came kind of out of nowhere. I had always been journaling, but it wasn't a part of my social media until the pandemic hit. So that's when it's just like a series of crazy events lead you to the next idea. But when I was 28, that's when I started thinking, okay, what is my next business move that will give me the freedom to, yes, travel if I want to travel, but it won't make me have to get on planes and I can still make money. Right. And this is something that I'm still building out. Like Joe club is only Mm. two years old and the membership program is growing and it's had its ups and downs. And I'm like, yesterday I was on the call with developers to revamp the website. I'm thinking of how to make things scalable. Cause also the other challenge for me is I tend to build businesses that are, I'm selling intimacy. Like I'm selling the community and that can't be 10,000 people and still be the same thing. It needs to be strategic. So like these are my business issues that are beautiful problems to have, but ones that need solving nonetheless. As far as partners and, and relationships go, I think the biggest challenge for me was always like I never had my place of permanence and that was the challenge. Mm. When you're moving around... You cannot build a relationship like that. And even now, when the pandemic hit, I bought my yeah, house I know. in Connecticut. Yeah, I know you know. So, like, what happened with you? Now we're talking about relationships. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, did I, didn't know that we were going here, Joe. should have told me <laughs> in advance. <laughs> no, because no, no, a lot no. of people so ask. these things keep it interesting. They do. Well, you know, like, when you have this global life and you're a business person, you're an entrepreneur, the... The whole conversation that never gets talked about is what do you do about love and romance and like stability? So nowadays it's different, but in my 20s, I never had a, a relationship for longer than three months, I think, maybe five max. Um, and it wasn't really an issue for me because I was just enjoying my freedom. But 
Yeah, I mean, if you keep doing that until your 40s, then you're going to be 40, right? And then, and then what? Still have no kids. Uh, maybe you're going to get kids when you're 40, and then when you're 50, they're going to be... Or by the time they're 20, you're going to be 60. I don't know. It's it's difficult. I guess everybody has different ambitions here. But yeah, for me, when I when I was 30, especially after our son uh, Lucas was born, I remember that one day I was traveling in Mexico by myself, and I was staying in a... I was staying in a hostel. I don't stay in hostels <laughs> anymore nowadays, but I think I booked a private room in a hostel. And I was hanging out with all these guys like in the early 20s, right? And I was like, shit, I think I'm getting too old. I have a, I have a one-year-old son sitting at home with his mother waiting for me, and I'm just, I'm just wasting my time here in a, in a hostel in Mexico. Like, I can, I can do better than this. I, can, I shouldn't be here, right? So, yeah. I guess once you get kids, then everything becomes <laughs> becomes much easier. But even before that, it's um it's a luxury problem, right? You, ha- you basically have too much freedom. Look at all those celebrities; they have too much freedom, but their life is a mess. Maybe not all of them. Yeah, it's living the dream, but also not living the dream, right? So you think that's you have to make that sacrifice at some stage. I read this book called Four Thousand Weeks that Ollie recommended. I will also link that in the show notes brilliant book and there's a chapter called the loneliness of the digital nomad and i was like damn i've never felt more seen and the concept is Mm. there was this man who's been living on a cruise ship for like several years and he claims to be the happiest man in the world and he's walking (laughs) around the cruise ship holding you know a cocktail and the the people who are just guests on the boat they almost look at him and 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 pity him because what good is it to have all of the freedom in the world if you're by yourself and this human thing that we have, you know, where I think people are torn, they want the freedom, but really primitively we're tribal, we're communal, we want to build with people. And one thing that I experienced in those hotel rooms constantly was that feeling of like, I have everything that I have ever wanted financially, monetarily, like all of the things, right? The business is great, but I don't have even the bricks to start laying a foundation for meaningful relationships romantically in my life. I don't. Yeah. And that sucks because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, what are you leaving behind? I think we can be very sterile and say like, oh, we're leaving businesses. And I think about that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving businesses. Like my dream is to leave a business that's going to last long after I'm gone. And it's going to be rooted in good. Like this business will change people's lives for the better. But I think that's also where the family conversation comes into question. Like when you're gone, what will this time that you had on earth be for? And this is super deep, but I think Mm. you start questioning it in your 30s. Yeah. Also imagine getting older, like being waking up, being 70 or 80 years old and not having a family. You know, sometimes I I know some people who are, you know, in the 60s or 70s and don't have kids. And I'm always like, yeah, no, I don't want to end up like that. It's going to be very lonely. So I guess there are people out there who are maybe a bit more individualistic, who do not really need a family or a long-term relationship. I think can't speak for everybody, but the three most important things for happiness, right? What, what is it? Health, wealth, and relationships, right? If you don't have the relationships, or is that, if that's not stable, if you're just moving from one partner to another one, yeah, I guess if you want to gain some life experience, but to build a, a stable life, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. I, th- I think. I think it's way better now. Um, I'm. I think I can say that I'm happier now 
than when I had all the freedom in the world when I was like 27, for example. I know this sounds a little random, but not your average Joe. Takeaway number seven actually makes a lot of sense. As people, we have the power to direct our lives. Sure, there are things that happen that are out of our control, but I'm a big advocate for stressing that you can always take baby steps to improve your personal situation or plant seeds of flowers that you actually want to see. When it comes to being an entrepreneur, we get wrapped up in profits and scaling, and sometimes we fail to consider the emotional sides of our lives. That if in shambles will leave us feeling so empty when we get all of that success that we were chasing. I guess the point is that there will always be something to sacrifice. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you willing to give up? And if you're like me, you will change your mind. And when you change and evolve, you'll make tiny adjustments so that you can move through life more purposefully and fulfilled and not be held back by the things you want thought you needed when you're entrepreneurial you should definitely take inventory of your values which was the thing that i said to you on, on at the end of the podcast that we just recorded that it's like you could be super successful but if you don't take into account your values and how those things might change because what you want when you're 20 could co completely change by the time you're 30 so the question that i asked you that we totally got off track was how do you mold your business ideas to fit this new stage in life that you're in? Is there a process there? Like, mm. is there the moment where you're like, damn it, now I have uh -huh. to go back to the drawing board to rough sketch a new business because clearly things are about to change in my life. I think Tim Ferriss calls it lifestyle design, right? So what are the things that, what would the ideal day or week look like? And, you know, I've decided that at this stage of my life, so in my 30s, I, I, want, I want to build things, right? I spent my 20s exploring and learning, trying to figure out what I want. And now I'm in my 30s and now it's time to, to build something so that I can leave this place, hopefully many, many years from now, with uh, some kind of legacy, whatever that's going to be. So that means building a house, building a family, building a business, right? And... I think if you want to build a business and meaningful relationships, meaningful relationship, maybe not sure, but if you want to build a business, it's so hard to do that while traveling, while tra changing your setting or your environment all the time. I mean, digital nomads, yeah, you can build an online business and, and travel, travel all year long. I mean, I did that for many years, right? But if you want to build something, I mean, you're not going to build your, you're not going to build the next Facebook from you know, from a hostel in, in Mexico. It's like you need to sit down and focus on this one thing, talk to the right people all day long, right? And you cannot do that when you're traveling. There's just too much distraction, too many distractions all the time. So I think for me, the ideal lifestyle is, um, I think I'm pretty much living it. It's basically just waking up, bring the kids to school, come back at nine o'clock, just start the working day, do my thing, do the most important thing first. And yes, I still like traveling. So I go to all the conferences that are that also have synergy to what we do at Creator Smarts. And then every now and then, I mean, last week, Oli was doing a company retreat in, in, in Istanbul, in Turkey, actually in Bodrum. And uh, I said, hey, can, can I come over as well? And then I just fly to Istanbul for the weekend and we drink a beer and we have interesting conversations and I can still justify it towards myself, the business and the rest of my family. I think it's just important to, to think about ways to make your work more fun and social, right? So if you, can, if you can build a business from home while being able to travel and meeting people in person every now and then, pretty, yeah, a pretty good com combination right. for me. You know what your ideal working day would, your ideal career or job would look like? What I would like 
for my ideal day to be is to be in a place where I could speak all of my languages without leaving, which is why I'm going to London. Because when I live in London, I can yeah. speak four languages a day easily. And, and these are friends that I am, mm. you know, always in contact yeah. with. And so the main challenge for me was figuring out where do I want to live? Because when I bought my house, in theory, that's me settling down. But I bought a house in the middle of the woods in Connecticut. And that was to check off my, my like, like my, my root Right. Like I needed a route and my family is here. So I'm like, OK, cool. I have a house in Connecticut. This will be here. But then for the last two years since I own the house, I'm like, damn, is this realistic for me to live in the middle of the woods in Connecticut and turn 30 <laughs> and have no one to talk to? And all I'm doing is sitting in my office working and I'm able to build. I'm building a lot because, like you said, you need to stay still to build. But it's coming at the expense of my sanity. Because I don't have anyone to grab a glass of wine with a after work. And to me, that's not sustainable. So the question came to my mm -hmm. mind of like, where would I live in addition to Connecticut? This is where London is going to happen. Then I needed a visa. And I'm like, damn, I got on the phone with lawyers. And they said, okay, the best way is through school. Because if you're not getting married, if you're not going to be an employee, yeah. like you have to get a visa some other way. And then I think I would just wake up. Um, I would like to have some kind of group thing like uh going to school or having a team of employees that I really enjoy working with a collaborative experience and then peeling off and creating writing uh storytelling and learning languages I think that's my ideal day and then at night like hanging out with friends or having a stable relationship like what's that yawn i didn't know well, what that was about four years ago but um i guess that that also changes a lot right like if if you go to london and you, you meet your 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 future <laughs> the future dad of your the dad of your future kids you know who knows i mean yeah then things are going to change and maybe it's going to be easier to just stay there then you know and just settle down there and do your thing there Here's I mean, to hoping. If I had a Matt Claire, I think, yeah, I think, I think if I had a Matt Claire, I would still have been, I don't know, still have been traveling probably. Uh, the last question that I always ask is, what, yeah. what advice would you give to someone to be a not average Joe? Probably to become really good at just one thing. Because, I mean, think, I mean, this, this is more like for the younger version of myself, right? I think if you finish whether it is high school or university, like there's so many other people out there with that same degree, right? You're not going to stand out. You're, not, you're going to be average because there's so many other people out there with the same qualifications. So I think in order to get ahead of life, you need to become really good at ideally one thing because if you try to do too many things at the same time, you're still going to be average at, at the end, right? I guess for me, it was, in the beginning, it was learning Chinese because I was quite good at that. And um, I thought that was going to be my number one thing. So I became fluent in Chinese in like two years or something. And I thought, okay, now I'm unique. Now I'm going to take over the world. But it turns out there's a lot of people who are much better at Chinese than me, especially people who grew up like overseas, right? And they speak it as a native language. So then I was like, shit, picked the wrong thing. So then I started picking other things, right? So YouTube and then online marketing. And, you know, now I think if, tried enough things where I have a unique skill set. But I think if I had to go back, I would just pick one thing, which is actually a skill that's valuable to the marketplace, right? So become really good at something that's 
highly evaluated in the marketplace, whether, whether that's YouTube, I don't know, crypto, could be languages as well. Um, yeah, try to pick that thing. It's hard to pick it straight away. You might have to need to experiment, right? Try different things to figure out what you're good at. That's what I had to do. But ideally, just pick that one thing from the beginning. It's hard, but yeah, try it. And that is it for today, my not average Joes around the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. For more on Jan and Creator Smart and the episode that we recorded together, I am linking that bad boy in the show notes. If you would like day-to-day chats, we have a Discord channel just for the not average Joes. I haven't been too active in there because I've been building everything. But please, if you'd like to moderate the chat and come up with like cool ideas, shoot me an email. The Discord channel is open to the public. It is free right now. My vision for it is that we make it like a cool dope resource center of interesting podcasts on the internet and dope playlists that we learn things together maybe a book club the sky's the limit this episode was produced and edited by yours truly y'all you know she was in the editing bay like all day all night for bonus content follow the not average joe pod instagram account and to tune in with me on a daily basis your girl is posting on at joe underscore franco on tiktok and schminstagram and on youtube have an above average week y'all deserve it take care of yourselves big hugs big 30s energy and i'll see you soon hey yo come listen to my girl man what you doing shit hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.